are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. It's the middle of April, and The Bannermen are doing episodes. can only mean one thing. The L.A. Kings are one of the 16 teams entering the best tournament in all of sports, the Stanley Cup playoffs. How are you tonight, Vardy? Excellent. Refreshed. Ready to go. Giving up all that impending doom and stress. Are you? Okay, good. That was my first question because I got a lot of feedback on our last episode that uh, uh, someone texted me today and said, I, I was at the gym. I was listening to your latest episode. I got so depressed, I got up and left the gym. <laughs> Straight words <laughs> from a listener. I was lifting 30 pounds less than usual. I was running on the treadmill and just didn't couldn't find a reason to keep running. <laughs> Basically. Um, I didn't think it was that bad, but um, what do I know? I only listened to the episodes 15 or 16 times, including the edit. So yeah, I, I thought it wasn't was that bad. Um, and if you didn't like that one, I mean, listen, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be all rainbows and butterflies in this one either, but we'll try to keep it a little more positive. How about that? It's a little more, nothing crazy. I'm not going to say Kings and Four. I'm just saying like a little more positive. Yeah, no, that's, that's just delusional i think if you say kings and four um but yes the uh the matchup is what we thought it would be and uh i think most of our last episode was very much you know not not series preview ish per se but you know kind of odds on that was what was going to happen and so we kind of looked into it a little bit this this one we can maybe dig in a little bit more and see keys to the series that kind of thing sure and honestly you could also just play last year's episode it's probably going to sound pretty mm-hmm. similar in terms of keys in terms of pro you know issues with health um in terms of what the kings need to do to set the tone we'll get into it but i mean it's going to be not that different let's just put it that way however the rosters are significantly different so mm-hmm. that part of it is going to be fun to kind of break down uh, but we will attempt here to wrap up the season for the LA Kings. Um, It was a quick turnaround for us episode wise, which is great. I think that's what we were trying to do. Uh, But that means fewer games to talk about to wrap up the season. I I probably want to focus on the last two. I think there was three games left Mm -hmm. when uh, we last recorded and Remind me, who did they play before Vancouver, Colorado? Uh, Colorado, yeah. They had just come off of, yes. before our last episode, well, at the, after our last episode, they had just come off of that really kind of a, a letdown, lackluster loss against Vegas where they just seemed completely zapped. And, um, you know, they, they lost against Colorado. I, I don't necessarily think they looked as bad as they did against uh, against Vegas, but certainly again another high caliber team, shorthanded in terms of the roster, ended up being a four three loss. Um, but they ended ended the season on a high note. Uh, you made it again to the to the Vancouver game, so we're, we're establishing a trend here, guys. If, if Vancouver's in town, Bannerman are there. This is this yeah. is how we're doing things. Apparently, it's the only time we get to be. To, to get media availability or media credentials <laughs> so when the Canucks roll into town. Uh, but yeah, I did. I was uh, able to get press credentials for that game. Hung out with the Kings realm a little bit as always fun guys. Um, good game, you know, to close out the season. I think the main thing I took away from that game was that the Kings looked like an angry team. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take much to fire them up. I think JT Miller and Adrian Kempe were, you know, slashing each other up and down the ice for the first period, <laughs> just all every time they were on. And, you know, that was kind of a powder keg at that point. And obviously we saw what happened. I was not pleased. You don't want to see your now 41-goal guy dropping the mitts against some guy who has, you know, was making plans to go to Cancun with his family. Right. Against a team that has had basically the exact same season twice now mm-hmm. uh, and I wasn't thrilled but no one got hurt so we're happy Sean Dersey dropping the mitts too uh, nice to see that he was uh, 
visible that game to say the least. <laughs> it was uh, definitely on everyone's radar, but a good way to finish the home season, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, a solid win against Vancouver. First shutout for Jonas Corposalo in a Kings uniform, and only mm-hmm. the second shutout the Kings have had this season, I believe. So which is nuts. Which is I mean, nuts considering their crazy. goals against is yeah. is among the best in the NHL. I know, I know. That part of it is is kind of wild, but good for him. You know, I think that was a moment where everyone was like, okay, you know, I know he had a rough one in Vegas, but here it is. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to be all world or anything but he stopped a breakaway he stopped high danger chances he faced 20 something shots and i would say like five or six of them were really really dangerous looks mm-hmm. he made the saves um and that feeling was obviously shared because he was the starter for game 82 in anaheim once again breaking the rotation for the second time in favor of Jonas corpusalo so at that point i think it was all pretty much wrapped up in my mind that corpusalo is going to be in that for game one because mm-hmm. otherwise you're looking at Phoenix Copley not getting a game for over a week. I don't think that's ideal for any goaltender. So I think that's a plan of action uh, or part of the plan is to make sure Corby gets as many games as possible for the playoffs. And I think that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we had had this discussion amongst ourselves with Jesse as well, that uh, the rotation was kind of leaning towards Corpusalo. I think uh, they're still being pretty coy about it in the in the interviews and such that uh, who it's going to be. But I think I'd be surprised if it wasn't Corpusalo out there uh, starting game one. I think against the Ducks, certainly not as tight a game as it was against Vancouver. I think the Kings were a little bit guilty at that point of maybe looking ahead a little bit and knowing that odds are that they were going to play Edmonton and that starts kind of, you start focusing on the next game instead of that last game, which obviously at that point it didn't matter too much. Although interestingly, the the final uh, series breakdowns and matchups weren't set for the Pacific division and for the Western conference until game 82. Unlike, uh, you know, the Eastern conference where Toronto and, and Tampa Bay knew they were going to play each other since Thanksgiving on. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, like that first goal the Ducks had just complete defensive lapses on the on the zone entry and and a lot like the Vancouver game, you know, I don't know if this was something um, that maybe uh, I don't want to say playing spoiler because there was, it really wasn't a spoiler aspect to it. But Vancouver and uh, Anaheim, both teams that have had rough seasons in terms of maybe not so much expectations on the part of Anaheim, but in terms of actual results and, um, you know, Trevor Zegers for all his ability has slowly throughout this year kind of morphed into this highly irritating (laughs) individual. Um, and the ducks have kind of just in general, maybe out of frustration or whatnot turned into kind of a dick team, quite honestly. And there's there was a few moments there during that Anaheim game where I was just like, man, what are you guys doing? You know, like what is what is the point of this? Like Cali of damn near gets injured yeah. with a really I think you use the word appropriately, predatory hit. There was zero point on that hit beyond trying to just hurt a guy. And then Max Jones gets in there and is trying to, you know, yank uh, I wanna say it was Ayafalo's head off or something like that, with the refs trying to block him in between. Zegris gets his misconduct, decides he's going to throw a tantrum down his own hallway as he's leaving. It's just all these like shenanigans that you're just like, man, can we just, can we just finish this freaking game without another guy getting hurt unnecessarily? And uh, not that that took away from it, but Adrian Kempe getting a hat trick to end the season, scoring 41 goals, becoming the Kings first 40 goal scorer since Luke Robitaille did it, which is insane to think about but uh it's it's a credit to him and a credit to the kind of player that he's become uh over the past two to three seasons i i was thinking about this actually and all of the wingers that have played with kopitar that we've spoken about over the years between williams lucic brown smith you know 
I don't know how much longer Kopitar is going to play, but it seems pretty evident at this point that Kempe is locked as his winger. And I think when it's all said and done, Kempe may end up being the most successful winger that has ever played with Andre Kopitar, if he's not already, based purely on results, Production, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, production-wise, I don't think... I think he has a huge argument. I think the championships will always kind of supersede that. Like who was on his wing during the championship seasons is always going to be probably first. Yeah, yeah. Williams, Brown. Williams, yeah. Williams, Brown, Gabrick are always going to be... You just can't... (laughs) It's hard to ignore, but agree with you, man. I kind of tweeted out that two years ago, to think that Adrian Kempe would score 40 goals would sound completely asinine to mm-hmm. me to even to me. And I remember we were on, um, when we were just starting this pod, maybe a couple of years in, we were on a couple of guest spots, podcasts, and just everyone was just really down on him. And it was a, it was a consistency issue first and foremost, right? It was a identity issue, not figuring out what kind of player he is yet. And he wasn't, young like byfield young he was already at that point like 23 24 so you're kind of wondering like okay is he you know is this what it is like is he now who he's going to be forever and clearly we were all wrong uh gleefully wrong Mm -hmm. i can say now because first 40 goal scorer for this franchise in 29 years that is a long time for some listeners that is a lifetime um some people who are fans, that's a lifetime. So big kudos to them. I think scoring is up all around the NHL, which is great, but I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna say, well, that's why. No. Um no I mean, one say else what did you it. will, man. Say what no you will, but you know, with forty one, that puts him ahead of Matthew Kachuk. That puts him ahead of oh, Austin yeah. Matthews. Granted, Matthews didn't play a full season, but Adrian Kempe is thirteenth in the league in goal scoring. Come on, that's he, his point totals in general, even if you consider that, I mean, he's 67 points in 82 games. It's one point shy of what Mark Shifley did. You know, like these are these are not, oh, yeah, you know, like these are names. Yeah, <laughs> These are absolutely. definite names. No, absolutely. It's incredible to see. I want to say, that, you know, last year there was this big question is, can he do it again? Right. You know, do, you know, do it again and we'll call you a star or whatever. And now I think I would say he eclipsed what he did last season. There's a lot of talk about he had a lot of empty netters last season. Right. This season he had 41 goals, two empty netters. Right. Or three now, I think, with that last one. Yeah. And I think he showed it quite consistently in that Anaheim game, but he's a big reason why the power play is as as successful as it's been. I mean, it's that shot from the right side circle is is that's that's a setup like that's a set play just like you would see it with with Kaliev quite honestly like that that's a weapon that's what other teams are going to be looking out for and whenever you have a weapon like that whenever you have one particular thing that's a constant source for a team that has to defend that opens up room for the rest of the other four guys on that power play to kind of maneuver a little bit you know and despite that despite that he's consistently scored with that shot from that spot so the most consistent goal scorer the kings have had in a very 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 long time and again that word just so so crazy to think that two years ago you could not get that word near this player at all because he was the complete opposite of consistency tremendous to see yeah about the game in general glad like you said no one got hurt there were a lot of opportunities to get injuries hated that hit by Carrick on Kaliev that's just you know he was already engaged with a player one-on-one and it's a blindside hit from behind right and uh there's just been a lot of that happening with the Kings season but also around the league like that hit on Ehlers by by Hartman yeah we tweeted about it just it's just the type of hit that does not belong in hockey, in my opinion, anymore. And and we got a lot of hate for saying that. But, I mean, if you're hitting for any other reason than to separate the man for the puck or to finish your check clean, which I understand is a psychological chess game thing, I'm all about that. But that those 
plays are intent to injure, those plays are malicious. And I think that's the stuff that needs to get out of hockey because it's already a dangerous game as it is. It's already guys are getting injured left and right, just sometimes getting, you know, losing their footing, hitting the boards in, this, in the case of Gabe Velarde. I don't think that was a dirty hit on Gabe Velarde, right. but it took him out for 11, 12 games, and now he's questionable to even be in the playoffs. They didn't need to blindside him. It just this this is what this game is. So just need to get some of that stuff out. And I think it's a slow burn. I think with generations being taught properly and the game going more towards offense and skill, I think eventually uh, we'll see less and less of that. Uh, but right. overall, good good way to wrap the season. Uh, win for Corpusalo. And like you said, it, it took until like 9 p.m. Pacific time to know who the Kings were playing or maybe even later. And it's Edmonton again. And I think it was the feeling that we all had um, probably from March, maybe earlier, February. It just seemed like it was going to be the Oilers. Sometimes it's just destined to be the Oilers, man. The Seattle dominated mm-hmm. that game against Vegas, and they just couldn't score. Yeah, I know, they man. They just couldn't score. Like power play after power play, post chances, it just wasn't going in. Sometimes it's written in the stars. <laughs> then it's going to be the rematch. <laughs> so here we are, round two. Or round nine, if you want to count the 80s. One one thing the I want 90s. to throw in there before we move full on into playoff mode. Uh, 104 points for the team. Second most successful regular season in the history of the team. 47 wins. I think the record I mentioned was 48 wins for the team. Um, he's not going to win it. But I think Todd McClellan very much deserves some jack adams consideration for for what type of progress he has made with this team i think he's already shown with multiple teams that he can be a good regular season coach i think now is is the time to show the ability to do it in the postseason which is a very very different animal when you've got a team that's playing you consistently seven games and adjusting to your strategies i think that's that's the challenge for him and I'm sure he feels the same way about it personally. You know, he's he's had some very, very successful teams in San Jose. He's clearly showing he can do it here um, in what has emerged to be a very competitive division. So kudos to him for that. And I, I think we'd all love to see the postseason success come as well. But sure as hell is not going to be easy. No, adjustments you mentioned are going to be a big part of this series we're going to talk about here. Uh, starting... Tonight, by the time you're listening to this, game one is tonight, Monday night in Edmonton. Um, Gabe Velarde skated with the team today uh, in a red non-contact jersey, signifying that he's closer, but unlikely in my opinion, and, and I think in the opinion of many people who have been around long enough to know what these jerseys mean, that he probably won't be available for game one. Absolutely no sign or hint of Kevin Fiala anywhere. At this mm-hmm. point, other than um, I read, I think it was uh, Dennis Bernstein mentioned that he saw him in a knee brace or a sleeve, some sort of a sleeve over his knee in the tunnel. Um, so that's really the only update I've read or anything close to an update I've, I've read on Kevin Fiala. He's not been skating on his own. He's not been skating with the team, has not been on the ice for a significant amount of time. So you're likely looking at the same lineup that finished the season starting game one uh, with maybe the, I don't know if, if it's a McEwen on the on fourth line thing or Jad on the fourth line thing, not sure. Um, but that's what we're looking at. Uh, Edler was back too, right? Edler's I think back, Edler, yes. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Forgot about that. Edler, non-contact jersey has been shed. He's wearing He was wearing black in practice. That means he's one of the the starting pair. So he'll be in the lineup as well, most likely, I would assume. Yeah. They would put him in left side on the third pairing. That means probably Sean Dursey's with him, I would assume, mm-hmm. which means Sean Walker's probably out of the lineup. So that's what we're looking at. The Oilers are humming. No one's hurt. Everyone's great. They, <laughs> <laughs> they've been destroying everything in their path, and they are, in my opinion, going into the playoffs, the most dangerous and best team in the NHL. And that's what the Kings are looking at right now. Yeah. And and every preview I have looked at, both statistically driven or gut driven or whatever you want to call it, 
um, favors them coming out of the West. Most favor Boston coming out of the East for obvious reasons. Uh, and I think that's the odds on favorite matchup for the Stanley Cup. Uh, now, obviously, things don't always work out that way, but I just, it's it's hard. It's very, very difficult when you have that kind of X factor, when you have that kind of ability to break a game open as the Oilers possess with with McDavid, Dreisaitl, you know, the Nugent Hopkins and Hyman as a supporting cast, Kane as a supporting cast member. You have to play flawless hockey, in my opinion. And the Kings in the last two matchups um, have succeeded in keeping them at around two goals, roughly. There was an empty netter in one of them, which I think is is, is a very tall order to try and do that across a seven-game series, especially when you don't have home ice advantage, when you don't get the last change. You're asking your top lines, your top two lines to not only contain, but be able to counter punch and score either that, or you're hoping for someone in the third or fourth line to step up, you know, to, to be able to, to make up for the lack of offense potentially coming from the top lines. I think special teams are going to be crucial. Absolutely. Probably, crucial. probably number one, right? If you, if you're, yeah. if you had to make a list of three or four things that are keys to this series, I think special teams has to be number one yeah. because you're, you're facing, the all-time highest percentage in terms of power play success in NHL history in the Edmonton Oilers, 32 point something, 32% plus. They bested the 77, 78 Montreal Canadiens for that number. Um, Google that team if you want, but the names on that team read off like the Hockey Hall of Fame. Right, exactly. So I don't even know how to properly word the importance of special teams, specifically the penalty kill in this case, obviously. I don't think you're going to stop the Oilers, but if they go two for five on the power play each night, you're probably going to lose. And that's mm-hmm. just the reality of the situation. That's two for five. I'm not even talking about four for five or three for five, which this team can do and has done. Right. So I think you got to keep them to something like 25 to maybe 26, 27% if you want a chance. Yeah, the hard the part is, the hard part is, you know, you could say, well, easy solution, stay out of the box. That's hard, man. That's hard no. when a team is this fast and that, exactly. that good. I mean, it's, they're going to, they're going to even, even strength, they're going to make you make mistakes and capitalize on it. And even the best defensemen and the best skaters in the world against a guy like McDavid, I mean, when he splits defenses and he's getting behind you, you, sometimes have to make desperation plays. It happens. That's not even including the odd stick check or high stick or, you know, random things like that, that it's hard. I I mean, I think, yeah, fundamentally you do your best to stay out of the box, but that's a really, really tough ask to play tight defense, prevent scoring opportunities and not take any penalties. I mean, you're talking absolutely perfect hockey. Yeah. And a lot of, what leads to penalties is puck possession. Right. The team that has the puck is probably going to get more power plays. That's just simple, whatever you want to call it, logic. So I think puck management for the Kings in this series is going to be at an all-time high in terms of importance. I think once they gain possession of the puck, they have to make sure they make quality plays with it, get quality possession time with it. More time spent in the Oilers' zone is less likely for the Kings to take a penalty, more likely for Edmonton to take a penalty. And that's when the Kings power play has to take over and start actually generating at a good clip again. I think they've been doing fine, specifically in the last few games. They were they looked pretty good. But I think you have to make the Oilers pay when you are on the power play in this series because they're going to make you pay. How much they make you pay is the question. Is going to make or break the series, but they're not going to go for they're not going to go over on the power play. I assure yeah. you. Yeah. Uh so Puck possession, good zone time. I think no one and dones for the Kings is going to be super important because even a one and done with possession means the Oilers are coming the other way. Mm-hmm. And and that's, again, just too much time for Edmonton. With the puck, the more they have the puck, the more likely they are than the Kings to have extended zone time. Especially in Edmonton, when they have favorable matchups, if they're 
if they can, you know, if there's an icing and they can get McDavid out against the Edler Jersey pairing, they're going to do that every single time. And yep. uh, that's when the problems are going to start. That's when the Kings are going to go to the box, most likely. So that's number one. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think number two for me, and you touched on it, is coaching, hmm. is adjustments. And I, I don't know if enough people are kind of talking about this, but the Kings, at this point, we understand they're going to play that passive 1 3 1 and try to stop the Oilers from getting zone or clean zone entries as much as possible. But if there is an indication in games one and two that the Oilers have figured something out, I would like to see an adjustment made, not specifically to the one three one, any kind of adjustment really, because I think one thing that I'll always give Jay Woodcroft, even though, as I've mentioned, I sometimes like to punch him through my TV screen, (laughs) is that he has a good grasp on what works against the Kings and what doesn't. I truly believe that. And the Kings should have a good grasp of this too. I mean, how many times have these teams played each other over the last two years? 15, 16, including the playoffs, maybe more. Yeah. So you're at a point now where nothing should should surprise you, nothing should shock you. And hopefully that means you have aces up your sleeve or adjustments you can make mid-series, mid-game when it's becoming overwhelming. And I anticipate there will be times where it will become overwhelming for the Kings in this series. So coaching to me is a big number too. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the knock consistently on Todd McClellan has been an inability to adjust, has been an inability to uh, adapt on the fly necessarily. And you don't even have to necessarily do it on the fly. I mean, you should be able to kind of see what is and isn't working, like you said, at this point and figure out, you know, when they're breaking through, what's going on, what, you know, who's on for one night, who's not on the other night, that kind of, it's, it's, I don't think that you can play too conservative a game either. I don't think that sticking to your guns and saying, well, this is, this is our system. We're going to stick to the system. We're going to do this over and over and over again. There's, there's some truth to that. I'm not saying change it up entirely. Suddenly start going to a two man four check when you haven't been doing that all year. Like that's, that's asinine. That's not good coaching. But like you said, making the slight adjustments, making the personnel moves, perhaps uh, line juggling if you need to uh, early on, but not just kind of, okay, one shift you and then one shift you, which they kind of did at points during this last few, few games where they were losing. They're like, all right, we're going to give Gunstrom one, one look on the first line. And then we're going to do Kaliev. I think those types of moves, you have to do them. And if there's one advantage, if there's one advantage that I feel like the Kings have in this series is that they have, oddly enough, despite everything that they've done this year, I feel like they have nothing to lose. There is an astronomical amount of pressure on the Oilers for the personnel that they have, for the results that they have that they have produced, for the people that they have brought in through the trade deadline. There's an enormous amount of pressure on Edmonton to live up to its potential. And I think that if the Kings can exploit that, if the Kings can put them on their heels a little bit and start injecting a little bit of doubt, injecting a little bit of concern as to how they play, that's when you can maybe get them to step away from what the Oilers game plan is. And then that's advantageous to the Kings. I think the Kings, when when the team in front of them is not consistently playing well against the Kings system, the Kings system is airtight. I think that's, you have to kind of focus on that. You have to find their weaknesses. And the other weakness, which kind of goes into another key to me is goaltending. Yep, that was think, my third key. Yep. I think Stuart Skinner played a fantastic game against the Kings uh, two games ago. He was stopping chances because as much as Edmonton's defense has been upgraded with the addition of Ekholm, you still got five other defensemen that weren't great from a pure defensive standpoint. But Skinner was playing great. Skinner was keeping them in it. Skinner was stopping pure chances, breakaway chances, slot shots, and things like that. You have to be able to penetrate and get those chances again. You have to have your 
guys like Kempe be able to get those chances and generate those shots because if you can do that consistently, something will go in and that's when the doubt will creep in. So I, I think they can make it work. They really have the ability to make it work. If they can, the hardest part is going to be again, doing it consistently and and not letting the mistakes backfire because there will be mistakes. Yeah, and just to touch on goaltending again, whether you people like scoff at Jonas Corpusalo's nine games of playoff experience, and I get it, like it's not a big sample size, but you're talking about no playoff experience versus some playoff experience, and to me, that's a big difference. If it was mm-hmm. four games for Skinner, nine games for Corpusalo, I would say yes, you have a point. But you're talking about zero to nine. Mm-hmm. And when it's zero, it might as well it could be might as well be a hundred, in my opinion. Also, on the other side, you're also talking zero with a background of what is it, forty regular season games? I mean, right. he's he's still very much a rookie who's been thrust into this role because the starters couldn't couldn't do well enough. That's you know. So you got an inexperienced goaltender in that who's been playing great. All credit to him, but it doesn't take much. To, to shake a young goaltender's confidence. Now, this could be different, right? I mean, Jonathan Cam Quick's Ward, first play, yeah. right? Yeah. Whoever, Gibson, right? When when Gibson debuted against the Kings in 2014, he looked like no puck was going to get by him the right. first few games until the Kings kept shooting, kept getting chances, a couple of sn- snuck through, and all of a sudden, he was just another goaltender, right? And I think that's what the Kings need to focus on. I think... A lot of shots is important, but I think they need to really focus on, like you mentioned, the quality of those shots. On the other end of the spectrum, Corpusalo has proven in the playoffs, yes, scoff if you want, in nine games, he has proven he can steal a hockey game for you against elite talent, against elite shooters. He is a type of goalie that if he is on his game, he is very difficult to beat. And like you mentioned earlier about frustrating the Oilers, goaltending can frustrate the Oilers. And when the Oilers get frustrated and, and abandon their system and start going like, you know what, we're going to do what we have been doing before. Screw this airtight, like, let's wait for a mistake shit. We're going to go, we're going to fly down the ice, and we're going to try to score. That's when the Kings will have their opportunities, as you mentioned. So it's a psychological thing with goaltending. And I think Corpusalo, a main reason why Corpusalo is probably going to be in game one is because of his ability to frustrate the opponent, because of his ability to steal a game. Because he's the type of goalie that can get in your head. And even even though they have the two best scorers in the NHL by a wide margin, a couple of saves, a couple of key saves can change a game dramatically. And I expect, by the way, if game one tonight, I expect there to be a massive wave from the Oilers to start the game. Oh, 100%. And huh. I could already see it. I've been there. We've been there. We've seen it. Home ice, right? They're fired up. The Kings have to, absolutely have to weather that storm. And it's going to come down to goaltending, a lot of it. So mm-hmm. if they can weather that storm, if Corpusalo can make those first, whatever, eight, nine saves, and you can settle into the hockey game, it's going to be a huge, huge difference. And it'll give you an opportunity to steal one of these games in Edmonton, which the Kings absolutely, positively have to do. I believe if they want to have a shot in this series. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I fully foresee that kind of pressure. I think the saves are important and also not taking a penalty early in the game, juicing right. up that momentum even further. Um, again, no signs yet of, of Fiala coming back. You know, he's clearly shown that he uh, wants to come back. He kind of pressed himself a little bit to come back into action a couple times. And the fact that he's not even at that point leads me to believe that they're concerned enough that they're not letting him do any non-contact stuff. So the longer you can, you can buy time, so to speak, the less pressure you can apply to your own team, to your own roster to try and rush back again and risk further issues I think that's that's helpful because I can see that if they go down 2-0 coming back to LA, Kevin Viola is going to do everything he can to get into that game, and right. and you may not necessarily want that, you know, if you're if you're doing well enough to keep things going. Yeah, and that's 
kind of leads me to the final key is health. Hmm. Is the health of your team, and specifically in this case, the Kings team. Historically speaking, you look at Stanley Cup champions, don't, don't look too far, you could look at the LA Kings. Health has played a major factor in how far you can go in the playoffs. And it's it's pretty, it's a no-brainer, right? If the healthiest teams are probably going to have the most success for the longest amount of time. Um, the Kings absolutely need Velarde and Fiala at some point in this series. I think if they want to win this series, which they do, they're going to need both of these guys. I truly believe that. One is great. We'll take it because at least now you have a scoring option on the third line and it can exploit a bottom six matchup potentially. But it will take both of them, I believe, for the Kings to pull this one out. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, Gabe Velarde skating with the team, still not cleared for contact, probably not going to be a go for game one tonight. But that means he's close. So that's promising. Uh, the mystery around Fiala remains. No one really knows what the hell's going on. Let me ask you, how stunned would you be if he's in game one? Fiala in game one? Yes, Fiala. That would be pretty stunning. Agreed. Honestly, like to go from not even skating to showing up in game one, I think that's a that's a leap. Um, Velarde in game one, I, I could see it. I could I could definitely see it. But uh, I think they're probably going to roll in with what they have in game one, give Gabe just a little bit more time, and hopefully have him ready for game two, I think is what their goal is. I don't want to say that they're assuming a loss, but I think they're okay with it if it happens in game one. As long as it's not a complete blowout kind of, we just look completely dead in the water, kind of ugly, ugly loss. I think that's something that uh, something that the team and the coaching staff can kind of live with, if that makes sense. I think uh, I think the Oilers are going to come not just offensively at us, but I think the hitting, the the physicality that they displayed the last couple times they play them. Uh, are very much going to be there are very very much going to be there and you know if you get a guy i think that's the danger in bringing a guy back too early from injury is that uh they're gonna run them they're gonna absolutely they are why would absolutely they are and i'm not saying they're going to do anything illegal necessarily but certainly borderline and 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 looking to kind of get at them and hit them where it hurts so it's I, I remain disappointed that we're not going to see <laughs> right the full matchup that we all deserve uh if for no other reason then i think the kings deserve to know where they stand against the cream of the crop of the league and understand how far they may still be from achieving what it is that they're trying to achieve with their current rebuilding model um, and until you play them, until you play a full roster against a full roster, I think there's always this room of a little bit of room in your head where you go, well, if we if we just had them, if we just had a full healthy Fiala and a healthy Filardi, we we could have been there. And it would be nice to know that information. It'd be nice to have that data of all right, we had our full healthy roster. We went up against these guys who are clearly not going anywhere. They're clearly going to be the team to beat in this conference for the next several, several years. And this is what we were missing. This is how far we still still were. And then everyone kind of has that understanding from the players to the coaching staff to the front office where they were lacking in order to be able to to play against a team like that. That that's the part that disappoints me from a from a longer kind of two, three year view. Of, of where the Kings are at right now. Otherwise, I'm not going to walk away from this series and be terribly disappointed if the Kings lose. Which brings us to our series prediction. <laughs> ah, man. Here's the thing. Injuries are such a big storyline for what I'm going to predict in this series that I share your disappointment. Because mm-hmm. it's if it's heads up, 
best on best that you got, I really truly believe it's a coin flip series. I truly in my heart believe that. I truly believe the Kings could take this to seven with a healthy roster and and upset the Oilers. I really Mm do. But with this big question mark of health, with the idea that you might go into games one and two with the same offense almost as you did last season against the best offense in the NHL, it just seems unfair, right? Like it's just not freaking fair that the Kings with all – all the progress they've made in transactions, player development, all of that. And those two players that are out are the epitome of of those two things Mm -hmm. of good acquisition and good player development examples. Number one and two that you could find on this roster. And they're both likely out to start the series. And we don't know how long it sucks. And I'm, I don't mean to already kind of sew this up, and, and tell you that it's over. But I think unless these guys come back in games, man, two, three, I can't, I just can't bring myself to believe that the Oilers are going to lose. And, and I, it, as it stands right now, with a heavy heart, I will pick Edmonton to win this series in six games. That was exactly the number that I was going to pick. I, I just think what's going to happen is they're going to lose the two in Edmonton. Velarde will probably be back by game three. They get one in LA. Fiala maybe forces himself back for four. But it just... I, I don't know if they're going to be enough... At that point, if you're going to see that the full potential of either of those guys to kind of bring it through. Right, because that's the other thing is like, are they 100%? And the answer is most likely no. Right, right. Especially in Fiala's case specifically, I think. Right. It would be a rush job no matter what. Yeah, and I think it just, it's too much. It's just too much to overcome. I think even under normal circumstances, it would be a lot to ask um, but when you have a team that's playing as well as Edmonton is right now, since the trade deadline, since adding the pieces that they've added that has seemed to have addressed their weak points, Skinner becoming a better goaltender down the stretch, historic seasons from, from several of their forwards, I think there's just that drive right now from Edmonton to prove that they are that team, that they are the team that they're supposed to be. And I don't think they're going to have a clearer shot to the Stanley Cup finals as they have had in, I mean, they may never have as clear a shot, truthfully. You know, Colorado, when they're healthy, could probably put up a, a solid series and, and they may very well be the Western Conference final again, like they were last year. Colorado obviously does not have Landeskog um, for however much difference that may make for them. McCarr, McKinnon seem to be back. Actually, I don't, is McCarr back? I'm not 100% sure, but McKinnon certainly is. So I think when you look at all aspects of their game, health, ability, production, Edmonton is just running on all cylinders right now and they are looking to to just get through as quickly as possible and prove they are that team. It's tough hard. draw for the Kings, man. Yeah. A very it is. tough draw. And I I do I echo your sentiment. I think I think the Oilers are poised for a deep run. I think they look like they're poised for a deep run. I think they I think they understand now better than they ever have what it takes to go deep in the playoffs. I think they've built a team for the first time in a long time, one through twenty one, whatever, that can withstand what comes with the Stanley Cup playoff run. I think their coaching is ready, specifically for the Kings in our case. I think they're right. very much prepared and are very confident in how to prepare this team to beat the Kings. 
and it hurts. It's you could hear the pain in my voice, folks. If yeah, you're listening, it, it sucks. But I just don't think this is it for the Kings. I just don't have that good feeling, and and a lot of it has to do with I think how the Kings kind of limped out of the season, figuratively and literally in some cases for our players, and how the Oilers were just humming and showed you down the stretch they could beat you any way you want to play. You want to play mm-hmm. low scoring, no problem. We'll beat you two nothing. You want to run and gun? God be with you. Mm-hmm. You want to run and gun against us. So it's just it's, it's just a tough draw. And now, that being said, can we be wrong? Absolutely, we can be wrong. If the Kings steal a game, if the Kings, again, we said this last year, if the Kings steal game one, people are going to shit their pants. And it's going to be the same thing here because in this case, it's twice as bad because the Kings are going to steal game one without a healthy roster knowing that you just, like you mentioned, bought time for these guys to get healthier and come back. And in the playoffs, get a hot goalie, like we mentioned, anything can happen. So, damn right I want the Kings to win with this roster. That's what we'll be pulling for. Don't think it's impossible by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's... Hockey's a funny game. Confidence is a funny thing. And it... As easy as it comes, it could go just as fast for any team. So maybe Todd's playing rope-a-dope and has all kinds of tricks up his sleeve. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe Fiala's playing rope-a-dope and he's been ready to go for a week. I don't know. Crazier shit has happened in the NHL when it comes to injuries and hiding and gamesmanship and all this other bullshit that happens in hockey. So Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's, you know, it's exactly what happened last year right? Kings showed up, beat him in game one, and all of a sudden that entire series turned on its ear. Even with Edmonton coming back 6-0 in game two, 8-2 in game three, Kings still had it in them. They took it to seven. I think winning one in Edmonton changes everything. You win game one in Edmonton, I think that's that's a huge boost to your team. I think that's a huge boost to everything. And you feel a whole lot better about the next three games, no matter what the what happens in two and three, if you can win game one in Edmonton. And to Edmonton, I'm sure Edmonton's in their locker room right now with the score sheet from that game pinned up on the whiteboard saying, not going to let it happen again. Not going to let it happen again. It's, it's going to be stressful. It's going <laughs> to... I'm stressed right now. I'm stressed right now just talking about it. But again, I'm... There's a part of me that's also just maybe content or accepting or understanding that, you know, we're we're not yet at the point where Edmonton is. They are in their absolute sweet spot where they are feeling the pressure of, man, we got to do this now. I think there's a, you know, Toronto is very much in that same position of like, if not, then when kind of thing, you know? McDavid is, what is he, 25, 26 now, peaking. You're, you got all these guys signed. Like your windows are, are very tight in the cap era. And you got you to gotta strike while the iron's hot because, you know, you think you're, you think about how many teams have made it to the cup final and not won and thought they were going to be back the next year and then never even sniffed it. San Jose is a great example. Yep. They went all the way Nashville. there. Nashville. Nashville. I mean, both those teams are just completely in, in, you know, looking inward and outward, trying to figure out what their next moves are. So it makes all the difference in the world if you get there and you win it. So I think that they feel that pressure. And that's the one advantage that the Kings have in this series is pressure's all on Edmonton. Yep. If you can, if you can make them make mistakes because of that pressure... You got a shot. Agreed. I think outside of that pressure, and I think actually this ties into it, is like they can't just be looking. I know it's easy to say, hey, one game at a time, one series at a time, but when you look at the fact that they went to the Western Conference final last season. Oh, absolutely. Anything outside of a Stanley Cup final appearance is a is a miss for this team. Yep. So you can't. As much as you want to say, hey, they're just looking at just beat the Kings and let's see what... No, they're, they know damn well the media over there is batshit crazy. They know damn well 
that this is a finals or bust season for them. So there is a bit of that look ahead. I think that's absolutely a part of the Oilers psyche right now, knowing that like, Hey, it's not just about this series for us. We got to then go and play likely Vegas. And after that, we got to go play Colorado. And after that, we might have to go play Boston. Like they're human. If you think it, Odds are they've thought about it a couple of times. I mean, just aside from Toronto, can you think of any other team amongst these 16 that have as much pressure on them to win it as Edmonton? Maybe the Rangers a little bit. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe, maybe, but like... Yeah, no. But 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 purely from the standpoint of like you have the greatest player on the planet. Sure, sure. And also the media crunch right like the pressure like the all they talk about in toronto are the maple leafs with all due respect to the raptors yes they (laughs) they, there's some raptors talk now take that and put it in edmonton where there's there's nothing (laughs) there's nothing outside the oilers nothing outside the oilers man that's all they talk about that's all they think about and that's all they ask about so absolutely man absolutely the pressure thing is totally valid these guys aren't robots i don't want to hear it they're pros and shit no they're human beings so that's one thing the the kings i can tell you firsthand have no such media pressure i promise (laughs) you i've been to some of these pressers guys all right god bless everyone who attends but it's a fraction a fraction of a fraction of the people that are throwing questions at the oilers on a daily basis so the, there is a window here and all it takes is just finding a crack and making that mm-hmm. crack into a crater. And that's what the Kings are going to have to do in Edmonton games one and two. So yeah. despite our series prognostications, you best believe that we will be looking and watching and hoping to see that crack and hoping to see it get exploited with all our soul, just like you. Yep. I think... What did we say? Do you even remember what your preseason prediction was for? Yes. I think you had Toronto, right? <laughs> no. I I think you had Toronto, my friend, this time. I did think I? We, I'd have to look yeah. back and see. I think certainly you don't Col- think I had Boston. Boston I know was nowhere our cup on my picks. radar. You had Colorado on the repeat, and I had mm-hmm. the Hurricanes. Well, well, I'm pretty they're sure both in the running. You <laughs> <laughs> we weren't far off. Um, and I think that was both of our Stanley Cup final. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Carolina versus Colorado. The, as you dubbed it, the natural disaster bowl. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's all coming back to me. I certainly didn't have Boston. No one really had Boston having no. the season that they had. I think, uh, man, they're a tough out too. That's a, it's a hell of a team they got going, man. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think just looking at how this stacks up. I could I could definitely see a uh, a Boston Carolina Eastern Conference Final. Sure. I think uh, Carolina's got a solid matchup against New York, the Islanders, in, in the first round, and they'll be waiting for whoever wins between New Jersey and the Rangers, which would be a hell of a series. Let's why don't we do rapid fire predictions here on the first <clears throat> round? Sure, sure. Colorado uh, over Seattle. Uh, I I think Colorado in five. Okay, we got five. I I was thinking five or maybe six. I don't know. Five mm-hmm. sounds good. I I like Dallas over Minnesota here, man. I'll tell you. I I I like Dallas to win this bad boy in six games. I may have taken them minus one thirty five to win this series. Um, and maybe I'll throw out series odds just for funsies as we're going through this Colorado. Minus 286 to win the series against Seattle. No surprises Not there. Good money. <laughs> uh, Dallas is currently sitting at minus 144 to beat Minnesota. So money has come in on Dallas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and bumped it up to minus 144. Um, keeping it west, Vegas against uh, Winnipeg. Vegas sits at a minus 160. Really? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, bro. This isn't a great matchup for Vegas, in my opinion. I mean, I you know, yeah, I guess I could. I know we're. 
I know we kind of shed on the Jets in our preseason thing, but I think they've been kind of putting it together to close out the season. They're getting mm-hmm. they're getting scoring. All of a sudden, Shifley, Connor, and Wheeler are putting the puck in the net after uh, Rick Bonus like castrated them in the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hellebuck is going to be Hellebuck. Would it shock you? Shock you if Winnipeg goes seven and beats Vegas? No, not at all. In fact, that's kind of why I was hoping we would play Vegas is because I think there's there's definitely a a shock factor. I guess I'm just surprised by those odds being. I agree with as, you, especially Vegas is a public team. Yeah, in the heart of gambling, right, for them to right. only be minus one sixty. Yeah, it is. You're right. You're right. Um, I think Vegas in six on that one, and I was going to say Dallas in seven against the Minnesota. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Oilers are minus 268. That number has gone up. So they've taken money yeah. to beat the Kings. Um, they're one of the heaviest favorites, actually. I, look I, at I this. believe it. I believe it. Only the Bruins are a bigger favorite and the Avalanche. Yeah. The Avalanche are a bigger favorite and the Bruins are a bigger. Bruins are minus 379. Oh, my God. Just, oh my god yeah so that's a yeah you're looking at a four or fiver there probably yeah, I, I was gonna say sweep there yeah there's, I think, there's always a few i think if there's ever going to be one that's a that's a solid one i think i might throw some money on boston sweep i think it's uh plus 400 or something like that um uh sorry toronto and tampa who do you think the favorite is uh I'm gonna say Toronto on that one. Toronto minus one seventy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think this is it. This is the one. This is the one. Tampa just hasn't looked right all season. It's know? hard, man. Three seasons of, yeah. of going deep like that. That's you know some injuries and stuff. I think Toronto in seven on this one. I like Toronto in this series as well. Uh, Carolina over Islanders. I'm going to call that one uh, in five, I Oof. think. You don't think it's a long one? Islanders haven't played no. well. So uh, Carolina s- still. Ca- Carolina's only, well, only. <laughs> Carolina's minus 196. So that I mean, compare that to some of the other odds that you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think Carolina in five on that one. Their system's just too good. Yeah, I think they're just... I, I I go with Carolina here too. I think the Islanders. Barzell's pl- planning to play, but mm-hmm. again, how healthy is he really going to be? Is yeah. the question. All right, Rangers Devils. What do you think the odds are on this one? Uh, Rangers, but very close. So it's very close, but the Devils are the favorite. Oh really? Minus one fifteen to minus one hundred five. It's, it's basically <sighs> that's, that's a coin flip. It's basically even money. Yeah. Yeah. So I like the Rangers, man. I think the Devils are young. It's great. They're going to be good for a long time, but it's one of those things mm-hmm. where I've always said you got to lose before you learn how to win. And I think the Rangers are going to – I think big X factor is Patrick Kane in the playoffs. I know he's mm-hmm. not the same player, but, I mean, this guy is – the bigger the game, the better he is. And I think – and it's not just him. You got Then you got to deal with Shesterkin in net. It's just – I think the talent, I think the talent in multiple positions, all due respect to the Devils, who I think are are a very stacked team that are going to be very good for many years. Like you said, I think the talent and the drive and again, that window, that pressure, that this is it factor supports the Rangers. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Rangers in seven on this one. I like that too. Rangers in seven. I might take the Rangers actually here. It's a good price. Um, so yeah, that's, that's that, uh, we've kind of already talked about who we like to win the cup. I think you mentioned you like Boston and Edmonton. Yeah. I think most people I do. Just, it's... I, li- I just, my, <laughs> people are going to hate me. I think the Oilers are going to win the Stanley cup. Yeah. Sorry guys. It's, it's, it's not, <laughs> Hey man, you're no, Please don't you're, unsubscribe. You're... No, no. Please don't unfollow. Yeah. It's, We're trying to be you're, real. You're an honest, you're an honest hockey fan, man. I mean, I, I, I. It's hard to disagree with that. I think there's a lot of things that that point in that direction. Um, I just, 
I don't think that they've, I'd, I'd love to see them play against Boston. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't, be... I really feel like that series is so even because you got two, two teams of destiny. I feel like coming against each other. You got a team that has just been dominant from day one that has just brought out the best in every single one of its players. And then you've got a team that has found its stride in the second half and picked up the pieces that it needs. It's, it feels like that's going to be the matchup. And if that's not the matchup, I'm really going to be disappointed because I think that's the matchup that maybe that not we want to see, but we deserve to see a matchup of that caliber. We deserve to see that kind of series because I think that's a very even series that would go seven games and would bring out the best in both teams. I was going to say Toronto and Edmonton might be a good series too, but I think the Oilers would absolutely wipe, I think, wipe the floor with yeah. Toronto at this point. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Good postseason, though. I think good, good. It's going to be a really good postseason. I think there's so many good matchups. I think there's some really good teams that are there. I I think, despite what our predictions are, I, I, I don't see Edmonton having an easy road there necessarily. No, no. Agree totally. But um, yeah, yeah. It's been good. It's been a good run. It's been good. It's and and I hope it's not over. This, no, this series because I think we're going to have to probably next time we're on, we'll probably be after the series for better or worse. God, yeah. I hope it's for better. Cause if the Kings win this series, the next episode, ladies and gentlemen, I might have my shirt off. I'm just saying, you want to talk positivity? <laughs> it may be the happiest you ever you heard talk us positivity? if they win this I might weep openly. We may we With may put that one on joy. YouTube. We may create a YouTube account at the very least point post on our new Instagram account pictures of him shirtless doing this podcast. Don't even care. Don't even care cuz for the, like you mentioned man for this team this is the only series they care about right now. Yep. They're not looking they're not thinking I mean I'm sure in the locker room they say you're trying to win the cup boys. No, but, the the battle no, cry man. is cautiously optimistic. You heard cautiously it. Cautiously optimistic. Trying to beat Edmonton. That's what we're yeah. trying to do. Yeah. Let them worry about their legacy and all this shit. We're That's right. <laughs> just trying That's to win right. a series, baby. Yeah, man. The the veteran guys on this team, they've they've got their rings. Most of them. I mean, yeah. You know, it's the ones that you worry about have got their rings. The younger guys got got time. Yeah. Edmonton, who's who's got a ring on Edmonton? Does anyone? Does anyone on the roster have a ring? Ooh, great question. Is there a sound? There has to be one. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> I do not know. Now you're going to make me... God damn it. I mean, it's it's a valid question, is it not? The, th- the reason I'm just like assuming... It's harder to not have one <laughs> at this I point. I mean, Boston's got Bergeron, right? Yes. You're right, dude. I don't see anybody here. Ekholm's that... the oldest guy on their roster. And, and he's, he's only been to, to the final. final. Yeah. Not a single Stanley Cup champion on the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. So the Kings can get swept and Kopitar can skate off the ice and Dowdy can skate off the ice and just point to their ring finger all day. Still, you ain't got, you ain't got shit unless you got a ring, man. You made it to the Cup Finals, good for you. <laughs> you got the jewels? Tough luck, buddy. As the Chicago Bulls said, don't mean a thing without the ring. That's right. That's right. I'm very looking forward to blocking a lot of people on Twitter this week. <laughs> muting at the very muting, muting. Oh no, my friend, I've I've already blocked three people. This I don't look. I don't have the time, the energy, to deal with stupidity. You want to have a hockey conversation? By all means, man. I'll reply to you. We can talk it out. Fully yeah. respectful. I respect every team in this league. I, I even respect the Ducks after last game. I I'm not about. LOL, bro. You guys suck. Like, if you're gonna come at me with some. Clearly, you've never played high-level hockey. Thank you, sir, with your your three followers. Good job. I'm sure you're an NHL veteran. You played 18 AA probably in a city where no one gives a shit about hockey, and you're like 26 years old, and you're still talking about Saturdays are for the boys and all this shit in your men's league. Shut up. You're blocked. And I'm blocking the next one, too. Uh, Episode 98. Hey-oh. Not a one, huh? 
No one. Yeah, I figured. There ain't no one. Yeah. Not that many 98s in the league. Yeah, it's a weird number. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, the best 98 (laughs) in the league history is still playing. And it it ain't even that great. (laughs) It's Sergeyev. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Wow. That's yeah. Brian Lawton is the old as the other one. And then uh and then uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not a great number. I mean no. it's not a bad number, but it's just not one that's been worn by anyone. It just anyone. hasn't been great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. What's this dedic- I don't know what it's dedicated to. Nine to eight. Is there a score that comes to mind other than that <laughs> Seattle game? Wasn't, wasn't that the Seattle game? <laughs> that was the oh, game that every where everything changed, I would say. That and that Buffalo blowout, I think, is is yeah. like the are the two turning points of this series. So, um, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna give it to Mikhail Sergachev, that's for sure. Uh, LA Kings ninety eight roster. Well, Here that's we go. the that's the year those the Blues swept the Kings in four games, and Sean O'Donnell beat the living shit out of Jeff Corton. Also, I'm gonna give it to Odie. Odie, <laughs> I'm gonna give it to Odie. I don't even care. <laughs> Bad call. Koharski, bad call, giving him the five. He ran Jamie store. Anyway, if you're listening, Jesse, I'm sorry. I know this is a soft spot this for is, you. Yeah. But... At least we saved it to the end of the podcast. You know. There you go. There you Feel go. free to throw your phone across the room now. Next one is 99. I have a good idea where we're going with that one. Absolutely. 99 roster. I'll start looking now. <laughs> Please do. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you again for a terrific, terrific regular season. We appreciate all of the support through this year. It's been a it's been a fantastic year for the team. And when the team does well and we've got good things to talk about, it seems like everyone kind of gets uplifted by that. And we certainly appreciate all the support, all the feedback. The fan support has been tremendous. It's already making us look forward to things to do in the summer to make the content even better. It's certainly next year. Not that this year's over, obviously, but just motivating us. So we appreciate that very much. Stick with us here through the playoffs. Like, subscribe, uh, follow our Instagram if you're looking forward to potential shirtless auto reels <laughs> in the future. <laughs> uh, playoff slogan per the Kings is "LA against the world." Except okay. we know that it's cautiously optimistic. That's the that's re- right. <laughs> that's that's the right. If that ain't if that isn't the playoff war cry. Cautious optimism. Go Kings go. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an LA Kings podcast.